There's a blood red circle on the cold dark ground And the rain is falling down The church door's thrown open I can hear the organ song But the congregation's gone My city of ruin Hey everybody, it's uh, the latest episode of Oy LA. I'm Chris Joseph. I'm here with my podcasting partner, Josh Gertler. And everyone. We do not, well, I guess we are our own guests today, right? We are interviewing ourselves. We find ourselves fascinating. <laughs> uh, I don't think anyone else will, but let's let's give this a shot. Mm. So we're, we're here to talk about mostly the local elections here in the city of Los Angeles and maybe uh, one or two of the elections in the state of California governorship for one. Um, and I just want to be clear, we're here to talk about who we think will win and maybe why, but not necessarily who we are for, who we're voting for. Um, we need to make that very, very clear. Um, so should we kick this off? Should we talk about mayor of Los Angeles and, and where that's going to go on Tuesday. Yeah. Let's dive in. There's a lot of candidates on the ballot uh, who've qualified, including those who officially dropped out. Um, the scramble this week was for endorsements from previous candidates. Yeah, Karen Bass locked endorsements from um, Mike Fuhr. Uh, Rick Russo locked in endorsements from Joe Buscaino and Jessica Lal. And um, it, most people think that it's a toss-up between Rick Caruso and Karen Bass. I think the pundits are most focused on whether Caruso can pull it across the finish line in uh, next next week on June seventh. And uh, but more than likely, there'll be a runoff between Karen Bass and Rick Caruso. That's that's my quick view. What's yours, Chris? Well, let me ask you: if one candidate can get over 50%, which candidate do you think might that be? I think it would be Rick Caruso, simply because of the disproportionate resources he has. He's been like surround sound in my life for the last two months. Every YouTube video, every Instagram uh, feed, every television commercial, you can't escape it. And he's made himself a ubiquitous voice and name everywhere you turn. The number of mailers that I receive from him and the quality of the mailers, both in terms of messaging and, and just cost is astounding. And so his money has gone a long way towards building name recognition, which he had to do. And there's so many anomalies because the voters are all getting mail-in ballots but I think if there's a chance of pulling it out in June, it would be his, not Congresswoman Bass. I, I do wonder, I agree with that. I, I do wonder um, with all the money that Crusoe has spent, and I read today on John Regardi's latest column that it's closing in on $40 million now, mm -hmm. which is incredible um, mm -hmm. and just dwarfing what the other candidates have spent. I do wonder if there, if, if, if it could backfire in some ways, if some people are, are just getting pissed off about that. What, what, what do you think about that? I think that it, it can back. 
I think some people will will feel um, overwhelmed by the number of um, pre- about his presence in their life. But generally speaking, I think this electorate is is historically not that engaged and votes based on name recognition. And so I do think that there will be um, uh, some that are annoyed by his overwhelming amount of information flow coming at us. But I think people also understand in the zeitgeist of Los Angeles is such that people want to vote based on how they're feeling emotionally at the moment. And, and his very simple messaging around three issues of, of homelessness, corruption in city hall and crime are resonating deeply with voters. And so I, I think that, that they've clearly tested that uh, and found that there's a lot of angry, concerned residents of Los Angeles, and that's it's going to make a difference at the ballot. I, I, I think that the political pundits and I'm trying to think of the right words, people who claim they're in the know in politics in the city of LA have underestimated the strength of Rick Caruso. And I think that they may not be in touch with how angry voters are over homelessness and corruption and crime, the three issues that you just brought up that Caruso is pounding on. Um, I, I, I think Caruso will win in November unless something drastic happens between now and then, if they find something corrupt or something like that. I mean, November is what, five months away and that's a long time in politics. But I do think that Rick Caruso is gonna be the next mayor of Los Angeles, notwithstanding something that comes up that we don't know about. Um, I'm also wondering about the charge that he's trying to, the claim that he's trying to buy the election, what you think about that? I think that there's no doubt that he's putting his vast resources to propel him into a competitive place and it's worked. His advertising and mailers and text messages and social media has really made a difference and but he had a longer run to get name recognition than congresswoman bash she's been a fixture in los angeles politics for a very long time she was very well known and she has a, a ballot title that many times is enviable so it's going to say congresswoman or u.s representative and so i think that that there's no there's nothing wrong with putting your money towards trying to win the election and there will always be those critics who say that he is trying to, or if he wins, will be, you know have, have paid his way to the mayoral seat. But that's the process that we have in this country, and the it, it's perfectly legal. And he is thrown his hat into the ring and and his money into the ring as well to try to make a difference in this city, and and so. I don't think that it, it, he's buying it. I think he's using his money to 
get his message out and and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that it's it's the process that we have i i agree i also think it's kind of hypocritical i mean certainly the claim that he's spending a ton of money is true that's just a fact but there are many millionaires who are backing Karen Bass. I mean, Jeffrey Katzenberg, for one. I'm not picking on Jeffrey Katzenberg. He has every right to donate whatever he wants within the legal limits, just like Rick Caruso does. But there are many millionaires who are poning up hundreds of thousands of dollars for those independent expenditure committees. And so Karen Bass has millionaires, too. It's it's not just Rick Caruso. So I, I, I find the, the charge that he's trying to buy the election. It's like, eh, whatever. I, I, I just don't put too much stock in it. Um, I guess I have one other thought about Karen Bass. And um, I, I think she's clearly quite competent and quite good and um, smart and capable. And um, I can't think of any other words. I mean, I think in any other year, just not this year, she might actually be elected. But I think we, we are in times like we've never seen in the city of Los Angeles before with the corruption, crime, and homelessness. And that's why I think Rick Russo is gonna be the next mayor. I think also there's, there's, when you boil this down, take the personalities out and the money out, it's really a, a, a choice of style. And Karen Bass is, extremely well-known and extremely successful as a coalition builder. She's done that her whole career. She brings people together. She builds consensus. She solves problems by bringing people in. And that's a, a hallmark of her public service. And that's not to imply that Rick Russo is not a coalition builder, but his vast experience in business is, is very different. Um, and of course, a business person like him has to build coalitions as well. He's getting his developments approved. But I think what's resonating with people is this is clearly a guy who has gotten very big things and very hard things done. And it uh, doesn't mean that he does it by knocking heads together. But his, his style is going to be very different from that of Karen Bass. And uh, again, I think, you know, take the ballot titles off and the party uh, both of which are both of them are registered Democrats. It's really a, a an issue of style, even more than substance. And I think that's that's the choice that voters who are paying attention are going to have to make. Uh, those are great points. Um, I guess there's one other thing I want to add. Uh, maybe this is the second time I've said that now. Um, I, I've heard many people say that Rick Caruso is just another Donald Trump a rich developer. And I clearly Rick Russo and Donald Trump are both rich and clearly they are both developers. But that's, I think, where the comparison ends. Um, I, I don't mind saying so even on this podcast that Donald Trump is insane. I mean, he's a crazy man, even putting aside his views that I don't agree with. He's crazy. Rick Caruso, I think it's a, a an acceptable discussion to agree or disagree with Rick Russo's views, but I don't think it's acceptable to compare him to someone like Donald Trump. I, I just find that laughable. I, I agree completely. He's ruined it for all business people who want to enter politics. <laughs> <laughs> 
That is true. Trump ruined a lot of things. Um, so do you want to do a few quick hits on city council races? Sure, let's do it. So uh, the first one, we're going to go by council district numbers. And number one is, I hope I pronounce her name correctly, Eunice Hernandez versus the incumbent Gilbert Cedillo. Tell me your thoughts on that. Well, this is an interesting race. Gil Cedillo has also been a fixture of politics for many years, um, most uh, especially in Sacramento. He's well known for um, being the author of the bill in California that um, authorized legal driver's licenses for those who are um, not legal citizens of this country. With a landmark legislation, uh, um, without a doubt, no matter which side of the policy you're on. I think the, the, the biggest theme in this race is um, housing and public safety, which, which is our themes in virtually every race. There's been an interesting case winding through City Hall lately with regard to housing. And I'll touch on that and maybe you can touch on the public safety issue, but there's a building in Chinatown that houses a number of residents and um, developers trying to um, redevelop it and neighbors who are the residents who were living there grew deeply concerned, um, coalesced and mobilized and made their voices heard at city hall and Gil Cedillo ultimately got the council, city council to agree to purchase the building. And uh, that was a, a, a small victory or perhaps a big victory for him at that moment that will help build some support from that community. But like everywhere across California or everywhere across Los Angeles, the housing predicament is intractable. And, um, you know, the contexts are different, but the issues are very much the same, that there's not enough of it. It's too expensive and get, getting more supply is nearly impossible. What about public safety? Well, I mean, you and I, let me step back from that for a second. You and I both know that incumbent city council members rarely lose re-election. I mean, David Ryu lost a couple of years ago. I, I know there was one other in recent memory, and I can't even remember what that was, but it's rare. And my prediction is that Cedillo is going to win outright on, on Tuesday. I, I think this is not the time for any candidates to be advocating either defunding the police or cutting police budgets. Um, I mean, you look at Eric Adams winning the mayoral race in, in New York. He was a very law and order centrist Democrat. Even the mayor of San Francisco has come around on public safety. And I think Cedillo is in a much better position on that than Hernandez. Definitely. Yeah, I, I would agree that he's going to pull it out, it's certainly in November, but possibly next week. So Council District 5, Paul Coretz's seat, who is uh, termed out and he's running for city controller. Um, talk about some of the candidates there. So this is an open seat. Um, one of I think three that are um, being contested right now, where the council member who's 
currently occupies that seat is either termed out or opted not to run again. That's the case in the fifth district. There are five candidates, Katie Young, Yaroslavsky, Sam Yebri, Scott Epstein, and Jimmy Biblars. The fundraising has largely been with Katie and Sam. Uh, if you look at their numbers, they've been much more successful than the other two candidates in raising vast sums of money. And remember, each council district has somewhere upwards of 250 to 260,000 people, quarter of a million people. So it takes money to get your message out, to be heard when you're running for a city council seat in Los Angeles. I think most people who follow this stuff, 17 of us who follow it closely, we think that Katie and Sam are gonna end up in a runoff and that um, uh, it's a really a toss up. They're, they're very, very close. It's getting a little nasty and interesting as it always does at this stage of the game. But this is a really important seat. It a, a, represents communities that um, have their own issues, um, about housing, but, you know, and public safety and all, all the same issues, but the context is different. A lot of the council, fifth council district is um, comprised of very wealthy communities like Bel Air, um, Westwood, et cetera. And, um, they're all important seats. This one is, is extremely high profile because it's an open race. Um, Sam Yebri would be, um, uh, a milestone. Uh, he is a milestone candidate. He would be the first uh, immigrant and Iranian American candidate to win if he uh, to become a city council member if he wins. And of course, of course, Katie Young Yaroslavsky has incredible name ID because she's married to the son of the former um, longtime icon in Los Angeles politics, Ed Yaroslavsky. So my prediction is that it's Katie versus Sam after next Tuesday, and that it's a toss-up in in November. I I, com I completely agree with that. I do have one other question about this race. I don't really have much else to add. I think you've uh, talked about that much better. Talked about this race much better than I could. Um, my one question, though, is the name recognition you just mentioned with Katie. Now I'm going to contradict what I said earlier uh, about incumbents rarely losing. Uh, rarely losing. Obviously, Katie's not an incumbent, but she does have that name, which cuts both ways, right? Or it could cut both ways. Yes, yeah. it's it brings her name recognition, but is it name recognition that voters want right now, or do they want a fresh face? And I, I don't know how that's going to play out. I really don't know. Yeah, it could go either way. But when, when you drive the district, as I have a few times, most of the, the signs that you see are for Katie and Sam. And um, again, you know, sadly, a lot of people in the electorate who do vote um, don't take the time to get too uh, in the weeds about issues. And name recognition matters. Again, as you said, it could be good or it could be bad. But um, uh, yeah, that's a that's a probably the most interesting race besides mayor in the city of Los Angeles right now. My in my humble opinion, I think I think those two, and then the one we're about to talk about, Council District Eleven. Um, yeah. 
covering the west side, Venice, Mar Vista, Westchester, Playa del Rey, Brentwood, Palisades, um, as most That's of your neighborhood. <laughs> yes, well, I'm in Santa Monica, but it's close to my neighborhood. Um, it, it, as our listeners know, Mike Bonin um, is not running for re-election. He was eligible to run for another term, and after the recall against him failed, but didn't fail by much. Um, a few weeks after that, he decided to tell his supporters and tell his constituents that he was not running for re-election. I happen to think that he wasn't going to win, and he knew that, but that's just my my humble opinion. Um, but yeah, uh, talk about some of the candidates. Um, what, what, what are your thoughts? I, I want to defer to you, Chris. This is something you've been following much closely than I, so I'm going to sit back and, and have you walk us through the laundry list of candidates who are on the ballot. I, I'm only going to talk about three of them, which the three that I consider to be the uh, the the top candidates. Of course, with only two of them are going to make the runoff: uh, Aaron Darling, Greg Good, and Tracy Park. Um, Tracy Park is more of the law and order, quote unquote, candidate. Um, more along the lines of a Rick Caruso, I think. Um, Good has has put himself sort of in the middle. And then Darling is a, and I'm not trying to be funny, is a darling of Mike Bonin and has Mike Bonin's support. And I will tell you that I, I think that's the kiss of death. Um, I mean, I think Darling will get some votes, obviously, but I don't think Darling is going to make the runoff. I think it's going to come down to to good and park and a toss-up in november or do you think yeah too soon the edge i mean unless there's a dent i i i am thinking that in this election across the board that law and order whether it's mayor or the various council races that law and order is going to triumph as i said earlier that we're living in very unique times I, I'm not, I don't want to sit and tell our listeners that I think that's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm just telling you what I think is going to happen. Um, now, I will qualify that and say that if, if homelessness somehow uh, improves between now and November, that could change things. Uh, I don't think it will. But, you know, as, as we discussed earlier, November is a few months away and, and it could happen. Right. Interesting. Um, let's see what else we're going to talk about. 15, CD 15. 15, yeah, this is the last one we're going to cover um, on this local city council races. So you've been following this one closer than I have. So so go for it. I have, yeah, this is, um, this district wins the award for the oddest shaped district. If you've ever seen a map of the city of Los districts, this is like a, what they call a flag lot. Um, the city founders deliberately drew the map to include San Pedro port area because uh, they had the foresight to understand that a uh, deep water port would bring tremendous economic benefits to the city. And it certainly has. This is a, a, an interesting district because it's so uh, geographically distant from most of the city, although the city is quite enormous anyway, but it, it, it sits really physically apart from most of the rest of the city. 
and it comprises the primary cities are are San Pedro or communities rather San Pedro, Wilmington, Harbor City, Harbor Gateway, and Watts. Um, I believe that all the previous representation, including the current representation, is from San Pedro, which is the largest community within the district. Um, this seat is currently held by Joe Buscaino, who, as we mentioned briefly earlier, gave up his seat to run for mayor and has since bowed out of the mayoral race and endorsed Rick Russo. And his, him departing his, uh, he, had, he took the rare step of, of opting not to run again. He was titled to a third term, uh, which he would have had to win, but he um, had another term that he would have been able to serve. And so the big name that stepped up to replace him is Tim McCosker. Tim is a well-known fixture in civic life in Los Angeles. He was the chief of staff to Mayor James Hahn, uh, chief city attorney to James Hahn, and uh, just, just all around uh, well-known, likable guy, uh, attorney, um, very active in port issues and San Pedro issues. Um, his brothers are firefighters in Los Angeles, and he just leads the city of Los Angeles. Um, he's by far the, the favored candidate in terms of fundraising, in terms of name recognition. Uh, he's running against a woman named Danielle Sandoval, who won the endorsement of the Los Angeles Times editorial board. And um, really important race because this district encompasses the port of Los Angeles, which is probably one of the biggest, if not the largest economic engine to Los Angeles. And the ripple effect it has both good and bad um, touches all of our lives. And so who is selected to represent this seat is, is a really important decision, not just for that community, but for the city as a whole. So that's an interesting one. And I would, I think it's probable that Tim McCosker prevails in June, on June 7th next week. But um, the LA Times endorsement surely, surely shook things up and could impede him getting the majority next week, but we'll see. What do you think, Chris? I think McCosker eventually wins it, whether it's next week or in November. I just think he's too entrenched in the community. As you say, he's, he's or I'm going to characterize it differently. He's a brand name, um, but in a good way. He's done a lot of good for the community. He's had a very active civic life. Um, I, I, I think he wins. I, I think, I guess one other thought is that without commenting too much on the Los Angeles Times, I, they have tended to endorse the more liberal candidates in this local election. And I'm not sure why. Um, it certainly seemed like a surprise that they endorsed Sandoval in this race. Um, but I, I don't think the voters are going to really listen to the Times, particularly in, in this district. I think McCosker wins. Right. Great. So last but not least, I know this is uh, Oive LA, but we can say Oive California for a second and, and talk about our governor's race. Um, here, here's my question to you. Um, I think you and I talked off camera before this, before the recording started, that we both think that 
Newsom's going to win and win easily. But what do you think? Is, is he going to use this his win next week as a springboard for running for other office? Well, right. If there was an award for the most boring gubernatorial election on earth, this this race would absolutely win it. He was subject to a recall last September, prevailed um, tremendously. And so it's sort of a yawner that he's running again. You know, the governor of California is a seat that has often been viewed as a, a, a trajectory to higher office. But what's setting aside Ronald Reagan, who ultimately became the president of the United States, governors of California who have uh, attempted to win higher office, whether it be Senate or presidency, have not been successful. And I think California, though it's a beacon of innovation, a beacon of, of the global economy, I think its politics are too far left for whether whether real or perceived, and I think it's a little bit of both, to create a path for any governor, no matter how charismatic, how popular, um, to, 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 to move up to higher office. Certainly the Democrats are looking for a younger, newer voice to be the face in uh, the party. But um, I, I don't know that Gavin Newsom is all that well known and be out beyond California. And certainly we've had our share of, of, of crises that have been very high profile from especially the fires, the wildfires that um, people remember the, the, the crises and the tragedies more so than they remember the leadership that, you know, helped pull the, the state through. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes and what he wants to do. But my long, that was a long answer to your short question, which is, I think he'll try for higher office, but I don't think he's going to, um, to, to stay in those races too long because I think he's got uh, the, wins at coming at him what do you think i i totally agree with that i I think that he might try to run for president uh, whether it's in 2024 or 2028 depending on what biden does or doesn't do um i think it's really really hard in this polarized atmosphere for a, a liberal politician to win national office i mean Biden ran as a moderate. I'm not sure he's governing as a moderate, but he ran as a moderate. And that was one of the reasons he won. Of course, he was also running against Trump. And that was another reason he won. But I I, I don't think Newsom would do well on the national stage. I think he may think he would do well. Um, but I, I think back to the recall election last year and the Republicans nominated a clown um, in Larry Elder. Um, and I hope I'm not offending anyone when I say that, um, but they, they didn't put a credible candidate up against Newsom. And I, while I think Newsom would still have won the recall election, I think it would have been a lot closer if the Republicans had put someone up with some credibility. Uh, now, I don't even know who's running against Newsom. I mean, he's gonna win in a cakewalk next week. Um, but, you know, politicians have egos, and I, I do think Newsom will 
likely try to run for higher office. Yeah. There's some political intrigue too, because as I recall, Vice President Kamala Harris and Gavin Newsom are longtime friends and political allies, both came up through San Francisco city politics. He was the mayor. She was the uh, district attorney. Um, I think they've endorsed each other throughout uh, much of their campaign histories. Uh, I haven't researched it, but I believe they're political allies. And this could put them, uh, pit them against each other uh, if, if Biden chooses to step aside in 2024 and there's some sense of weakness um, that uh, the current vice president may not be able to prevail uh, or win the party's nomination. Uh, it could be very interesting for to see the two of them, longtime friends and allies, possibly go head to head. That would be fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Sadly, or not sadly, I'm not sure what I think about it, to be honest. I think both of them would not have a chance um, right now. I think Harris is suffering from her own low poll numbers, partly because of Biden, partly because of her own doing, partly because the Republicans are ruthless. Um, yeah, 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 it'll be fascinating to see what, what happens. But we can we can do another podcast in 2024 on our predictions about the national election. Um, I think that about does it uh, on this one. Um, let, let's uh, reconvene and maybe we'll do a follow-up after next week's election and see how we did on our predictions. We will. And we've got some exciting guests coming up. Uh, so stay tuned for future shows with, with interesting guests. And uh, oy vey. Oy vey. 